0: This is episode number 11 with Michael Kaminsky. Welcome to the I Love Music podcast. My name is Jen Fedor. I started the I Love Music podcast to inspire people who love music, encourage people who work within the industry, and to hear each person's unique story happy new year friends i hope your 2017 is off to a good start sorry if you're expecting a new episode on monday i got behind on my editing schedule from traveling over the holidays but now i'm back so you can expect new episodes every other monday like usual for this episode i got to interview michael kaminsky he is the founder of KMGMT, which is a full-service management company representing artists, producers, writers, and composers. Some of the artists he manages include Arches, 303, The Somerset, and Tonight Alive. I really enjoyed talking to Michael about music and community. Let's jump into his interview. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you um got interested in music.
1: Um, I have kind of a unique uh, history because I wasn't interested in music until I was 17 and um, Like for me, I always grew up. I really like stories so for me my stories were coming from books and From films and I like the idea that you could tell a story You know a whole story beginning middle and end and you know 90 minutes as a film or you know over a couple hundred pages in a in a book and um, I was really actually disliked books that just like were seven eight nine hundred pages yeah. um just because i i thought there was like a beauty in being able to tell a story in like 150 or 200 pages so um my whole life growing up i thought i was going to work in film and uh, around 17 i made uh, friends with like a completely random stranger and we became very close friends and he took me to my first concert and um, it was so much different. It was a, a what punk was your concert. First,
0: yeah, what, what, what was your first concert? Uh, it
1: was Five Iron Frenzy. Okay. Uh, and then my second concert ever was Radiohead. Okay. So it was kind of like a big spread. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. But it all happened very quickly. But I really liked this idea of being able to tell a story in three minutes and to have like an emotional connection that was, that was there so quickly. Yeah. Um, so graduating, you know, going through college, in uh, graduating college, I was actually a video director and a okay. producer and was working within music uh, once I got in I was very very seriously and I went to shows every single night how um, was
0: how was how was directing back then how How did you get connected to those
1: well bands? i don't uh I don't consider myself that old um, but I am old enough to like remember the internet being invented <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> yeah. it's kind yeah. of a, kind of a long one. Um, no it was really cool uh, Napster had just been invented mm-hmm. so um, back when you're in college you know you you go to class for like two hours a day and then uh, you spend the rest of your day not doing anything so I would sit on Napster and just find bands and find bands and find bands and find bands. Yeah. Um, so my, my first band, actually, um, I'll tell you a little bit more of the story. So I was an economics major. And okay. I, I don't know why I was an economics major. Uh, like, in real hindsight, I guess my expectation of going to college was like, you got to learn business so you can come out and get a job. And then midway through college, I realized, like, that's stupid. Like, you should go to college to learn mm-hmm. and to find things that you really enjoy. And what I really enjoyed was working in media. Um, so in the middle of one of my economics classes, I... Actually, just like said, screw this. And I got up and I left. Yeah. And I started the television station at my college and started to get a bunch of grant money. And so oh, I had Wow,
0: that's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. That's awesome. And I
1: think actually, maybe that was the first moment, like, if I learned anything from college. It was like, well, you can do stuff like this. Like, yeah. the world just kind of, if you put it out there and like try and make it happen, like, things can actually happen. Like, that's a really amazing experience. Um, <clears throat> so I was on Napster finding bands and I had all this you know, grant money to do video work. So it kind of seemed like an obvious pairing to do music videos and um, I found this one band on Napster. Uh, It was just their demos and I thought they were really good and I emailed them and I said, you know, hey, I see you're gonna be in San Diego next month. Do you wanna sleep on my dorm room couch for a few days and uh, we'll do a video for free. Like, you don't have to do anything, I'll just do it. Uh, So I did my first like real music video more or less Um,
0: That's so great. For
1: a band called Taking Back Sunday.
0: Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and we (laughs) became,
1: you know, we became kind of close over those few days. Mm -hmm. And then they, um, you know, played a shack for 80 people after we were done filming. And we just kind of stayed in contact. And, uh, you know, one thing, long story short, one thing led to another. And uh, they ended up asking me to go, you know, work for them. And so my first management job, I left the video world and went mm-hmm. to go do management for uh, three years. For the first three years of Taking Back Sunday,
0: tour tour management or more artist management?
1: No, I was on the artist management side. Okay. Uh, they had a phenomenal manager that yeah. I learned everything from, but it was literally one person doing everything. Oh, okay. And uh, we just really hit it off. Like she was really intelligent, and that's great. Um, I like to ask really dumb questions, so um, we got along. And at a certain point, she was just like, "You should just work here." And I said, "Okay." that was up yeah
0: so yeah you just kind of (laughs) fell into it after like yeah you know building a good connection with that band Mm -hmm. that's so great
1: yeah definitely fell into a lot of things
0: yeah so after after that experience of working with them what what was kind of what kind of happened next how long so after those three years of working with them yeah you like oh, I need to start doing this like on my own, or...
1: You know, I don't think I ever looked at management as like a job. Yeah, yeah. It was always like an opportunity to work with music that I really liked. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of music out there that I really liked. And um, you know, those first two Taking Back Sunday albums went platinum, um, without radio, without TV. It was, you know, really like spreading the love and passion of a band, and like that was that was how that band grew, yeah. um, people were just so excited about it naturally, and when they signed to Warner Brothers, I had a few life changes, and I was just I don't know, I think I just wanted to like explore what else was out there and, mm-hmm. and like you know try some of my like just try new music right. and so um, I'd kind of been doing it on the side, and I'd really liked it. I don't think I would have ever been able to do anything without learning you know from that whole team who was really an amazingly incredible team. Yeah. Um, but I packed up and I actually moved to the Pacific Northwest for a few months and started my company. And then um, I got the only phone call ever that would have gotten me back to California and it was Kevin Lyman. Um, And I had met Kevin many, many, many years. Again, sort of by chance Uh um, before. And he was like, hey, I heard you you left this other job and I know you're doing stuff kind of independently but I need someone to work for me for a year, Uh, what do you think? I was like, well, I'm like a few thousand miles away. I was like, "Uh, okay. I'm like, well, all right, I'll come back. So I came back. (laughs) So I came back and I worked uh, for Kevin for a year. And then um, that just sort of parlayed uh, into me working with Kevin for the next 10 years.
0: What were you doing for Kevin then?
1: Uh, Kevin had this really, it was a really brilliant idea uh, to start like a record label, Kind of around the Warp Tour scene. Okay. So um, he needed someone to essentially like do the A and R for it, and to you know oversee the bands, and to discover bands, and take them through the studio process. And uh, so he had hired me to do that. So you know, within a couple of weeks of getting that phone call, I was actually on Warp Tour, scouting bands. Um, awesome. I, I, yeah, it was awesome. But I was like really young. I look back now, I was like, oh my god, I don't know what I was doing. Really, you know, Kevin took such a chance on me. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: it was cool, we signed you know, a lot of great bands together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we signed My American Heart, and we signed the Street Drum Corps. And it was just, it, it was another block uh, for me to kind of like add to the wall of skills. And yeah. um, you know, I think in hindsight, like recognizing uh, management's usually where people like end their career. Like as a manager, you have to know sales, you have to know marketing, you mm-hmm. have to know touring, you have to know distribution, you have right. to know finances, you have to know legal, you have to know all this stuff. Um, and I'd actually done a lot of that. I you know, started an indie label in college, and I was doing my own press for it, I was booking my own tours, right. I was doing the videos, I was like doing everything. Uh, but I learned a lot from that experience too. So between you know, the Taking Back Sunday camp and the Warp camp, um, when that kind of all wrapped up and that job was done, I was like, okay, let's just do this full time, and that's when I started the company. Nice,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. Um, What were some of the first bands you decided to sign?
1: Um, The first band Mm -hmm. was... uh, So I was interning at this really, really, really big company. Yeah. Like massive company. And they had tons and tons and tons of interns. And all the interns would like show up and then hide in the break room so they wouldn't have to do any work. And, oh wow yeah i was always like perplexed by that because i guess the attitude was like oh i'm doing the internship to put it on my resume which um i guess makes sense but mm-hmm. you know for me i was like oh i'm doing the internship i'm gonna like read every document here right and like open every filing cabinet and, and like you know anytime someone gives me the photocopy something i'm gonna like go through it and learn about it mm-hmm. um so there's only one other person who I really connected with who was also doing that. Yeah. And um, we, you know, we really just became close friends, and um, she, I think she showed me this band uh, that was like doing a little like club, tiny club, Mm -hmm. like small, 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 almost like bars, uh, called Fear Before the March of Flames. Okay. And I was going to sign them. I was actually doing uh, an A&R scout for a different label at the time, Okay. and uh, I was gonna sign them to the label, and when that didn't work out, um, I was like, well, I still really want to work with this band. I don't know how to do it. So I was like, oh, there's this job called a manager. You could, like, still work with a band. Yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah. So um, I became their manager. Again, having no idea what I was doing was really, really strange. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess kind of the attraction, though, to it was, you know, I had I had, had my own label in college. And it. it Costs so much money, right? It's like yeah. tons of money to like run a label, right? And as a manager, you're like, oh, someone else will spend the money. I still get to like do all the work on it, but like a label will fund it. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's where I decided, like, I'm in. That's. So that was my first band.
0: That's so great. Um, where did where did you um, grow up?
1: Uh, I grew up in Southern California. Okay. So for me, like my local hometown label was Drive Through Records. Okay. And uh, that was actually really inspiring, like, to see how they built a scene and built a community. And I feel like so much of that is, like, missing in music. Yeah. But it's so important. Yeah. And and I remember as a kid, like, it didn't matter if, like, what drive through put out. Mm-hmm. This was back, you know, before digital. So it's right. like, if someone puts out a CD, the only way you get to hear it is you have to go buy the CD. Uh, and whatever they would put out, I would buy it completely blind. Yeah. And I was always happy with it.
0: Was that the... M- main type of music that influenced you that you listened to growing up or was yeah, it so. like across the board?
1: Mm. No, I was pretty specific to that. Um, I was kind of like, okay, I want to get into the scene mm-hmm. and then listen to every single thing in that scene. Yeah. So like the most obscure, craziest, like pop punk, emo, yeah, post hardcore. Um, I was at that show. Right. I knew them. I was like pretty plugged into it.
0: So um what does a typical day look like for you in artist management?
1: Yeah, you know, the reason I do this job actually is because there's no such thing as a typical day. Yeah. And um that's amazing to me. Like I I totally respect like the idea of like waking up and knowing like your task and then doing right. it at the end of the day and then coming home at the end of the day and not having to think about it. Um I just can't, I'm not programmed like that, I can't do that. Yeah. So, um, you know, for a manager, you wake up every day and you say, I gotta find 10 things today to do that are gonna push my bands forward that no right. one's ever done before. So, um, you know, it's a lot of meetings with new people. Um, it's a lot of just being creative. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, it's a lot of paperwork sometimes, but it's also a lot of times like being on a video shoot or doing a photo shoot or being in the studio. Uh, with a band or, you know, connecting them with other writers or sitting down with an agent to figure out how to book or market a tour, um, or working on the merchandise designs, you know. Uh, and then there's always, like, the two or three curveballs that you're just like, why do I have to deal with this today?
0: <laughs> right, That seem yeah. to
1: come up every single day. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you never really know what's going to happen.
0: Um. So how do you decide to take on a new client? W- what does that look like? Is it word of mouth or relationships built over the years where you know
1: man what a good question um we signed very few clients very 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 few um
0: what what goes into that process of like
1: yeah it's tough because it's it's kind of two major pieces to start with and then Mm -hmm. like a thousand pieces on top of it yeah. Um, but the the most obvious one is just like, do I like it? And I know that sounds incredibly obvious, but so many bands get signed because the person signing it thinks other people will like it. And I almost think that's more common as like, oh my god, this is gonna be so big, everyone's gonna love it. Um, yeah. It's just a backwards. It's just backwards. Like I have to love it and. I have bands that I work on that I'm probably the only person who listens to them, but I really, really, really like them, and I'm going to continue to do it. Um, And the other piece of it is, do I like them as people? And um, that one's even trickier, because I actually find a lot of people kind of falling into a trap of, um, maybe they really do like the music, but if you don't like, if your artist isn't, or can't be, I feel like, one of your best friends, yeah. uh, it's really hard to get into their head and understand what's going to be best for them creatively. So, um, you know, if like you can't relate to someone, like how are you the best person to come up with ideas for them and to like walk them through some difficult times and to, you know, right. kind of hold their hand in some of the process. And, uh, you know, you, sometimes it's very tempting, there's a band and you're just a huge fan of the band and they are making a ton of money mm-hmm. and you meet with them and there's just no vibe and there's no chemistry. And um, every time that's ever happened, I've always decided not to sign the band. And a lot of them go on to be very, 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 very successful. Um, and I don't regret that. You right. know, there's, you're very happy for them that they were able to like, you know, move on and, and find that success. Yeah. Um, but it's just not, it's not for me. Um, and, and especially because of how many hours you work. Mm-hmm. Like If you don't wake up, and you're not happy and you're not fulfilled in the job, like it very quickly becomes a job that's not like a 40 hour a week job, it becomes like a 100 hour a week job that you just hate. So why right. why would you do that?
0: What have been, you know, some of the challenges that you've encountered in the industry, in the music industry?
1: Well, you do management, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, I do so what's, management. What's, what's your biggest challenge? <laughs> um. Now you're putting me on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a really good question. Yeah.
1: I mean, um, it's like everything's a big challenge.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, trying to figure out what the best route is for them mm-hmm. and the best path and it being a unanimous, like, you know, thing.
1: Yeah, that is actually really tough. Um, yeah. I think one step from that, too, is like a personal challenge – Um, Which is, like, when you become a manager, like, you're responsible for the lives of those people. Yeah. And I think as I've now been doing this longer and longer, I've realized, like, sometimes my biggest challenge is, like, the own weight of the responsibility of knowing, like, if I don't do a good job, uh, these kids don't eat. Like, literally, they yeah. don't eat. Like, they're yeah. out on tour, and they don't even have $5 to buy Taco Bell. Right. And I've done those tours before. Like, mm-hmm. I've been out there. And I know it's like to be like, yeah, we, we have $3 today to go buy another burrito. Yeah. And, like, throwing up because the thought of eating, like, your 20th burrito in a row is the most disgusting thought on the face of the planet yeah. for you at that moment. Um, so that is tough. There's a lot of sleepless nights trying to go, like... If I don't figure this out and I don't crack this code, yeah, um, the band, their crew, like everyone who depends on them, yeah, like they can't pay their bills.
0: Yeah, just thinking about that, like I'm just like, ugh, oh, it's a lot of pressure sometimes. You know, it's it can yeah, be a lot, a lot of pressure. pressure. Yeah, um, for artists out there that don't have a manager, when would you recommend for them to you know search and like seek out management or do you think it's not essential at the beginning for you know the smaller bands
1: It's not that i don't think it's essential i think it's um i sort of feel like it's like your team finds you yeah and i meet a lot of bands who will almost say verbatim like our music's so good our live show's so good if we just had a manager and an agent, we'd be huge. Um, Which like is very confusing to me because as a manager, like there's nothing I can do to go make that band huge. There's not. Like if the music and the live show are so good, they're gonna be like huge locally Mm -hmm. by themselves. Um, Like if you put out good products I shouldn't even say good product because good has nothing to do with it. If you're putting out a product that people are reacting to and are excited about, uh, those kids are going to start to show up. And when those kids show up, you will attract the eyes of managers and of agents and of labels. And I think it's really important for bands to understand um, people can come in and add to what you're doing, but they can't do what you're doing. Like They can't just take your song and make it famous like that's not how it works like if a song is going to you know resonate with people it's going to do that in some sense on a very 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 small scale on its own and if it's not doing that then instead of bands asking like how do i find a manager they should be asking well how do i make a more compelling song
0: yeah it's it's a lot of the song and a lot of like the hook or the chorus i think that propels a band forward
1: yeah or the aesthetic of a band or the message of a band yeah you know there's so much outside of the music that's equally as important um you know there's so many ideas that a band can can find um you know to to kind of build a following right and you know my favorite bands were as a kid were like punk bands where let's be honest the music itself isn't that great but it's the message it was like about mobilizing people and making them feel important um and that they had a cause for it And that would attract kids.
0: Yeah. um, How important is social media these days for bands and, you know, for musicians?
1: Um, I think smart social media is really important. Um, Unfortunately, I I don't think a lot of bands think of it like that. Um, You know, there's like this pressure of like, get Instagram followers, get Twitter followers, get Facebook followers, you know, get likes, get, you know, YouTube hits, uh, do all this stuff. Um, like to me, that's not, that's not important. And I don't really care if a band's doing that. Um, what's important to me is, you know, those mediums are different, right? Yeah. And there's a reason why they're different. Like they attract different types of crowds, different types of personalities. Um, just because maybe you make a really great video doesn't mean you're super good at putting up interesting or intelligent tweets. And that's okay, you don't have to do everything. I would much, much, much rather a band look at themselves and say, you know what, like, our best thing that we're the best at is just making amazing music videos. Okay, don't worry about the rest of the stuff. Like, I'd much rather a band get 100,000 YouTube plays than 20,000 YouTube plays and 5,000 Twitter, and 10,000 Instagram. Yeah. Like, have zero Twitter, have zero Instagram. Go get 100,000 YouTube plays. Right. Or whatever your choice is going to be. And just, like, focus on doing a really good job at something.
0: That's really good advice, because I think different bands across the board don't, yeah, they, they don't see it that way, and they just post something, or, yeah.
1: They I, post the same thing on every format. It's It's just... Ineffective, and honestly, it makes you look small.
0: Yeah. Um, do you have any other ideas or suggestions in that realm for bands? Then.
1: Um, you know, you know the hard part, but the interesting part is um, there is no silver bullet to anything. Yeah. You know, a lot of bands go like, like, oh, if, you know, we just do X, Y, and Z. And that that's not the point. Like if it was just X, Y, and Z, then anyone could be an anyone could be a manager and anyone <laughs> could be an agent, and anyone could do it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I think if I were to give any advice is recognize your weaknesses. You're not good at everything. Mm-hmm. And um you know it's like asking someone if they're a good driver, nine out of ten people are gonna say, Yeah, I'm a great driver. It's not true. Like yeah. um, you're not gonna be great at everything. And that's totally okay. So recognize what you're not good at and then either work on improving it or focus on the stuff that you know you're really good at, and double down on it, mm-hmm. and be honest with yourself and say, you know what, maybe I'm not good here, but I feel like I am really good here, yeah. and then go for it.
0: Or, or also bring in a team or someone else to help on the areas that mm-hmm. you're not you're not the best you're not the best at. Yeah. Do you have any uh, fun or uh, memorable moments uh, working with any of, any of your artists? No. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, music all, videos, being all, all, all my moments are fun. Yeah, yeah, I
1: don't, as soon as it stops being fun, I'm out. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot of things I could be doing in my life that aren't fun, and music is still fun. So, um, yeah, like literally every day, every day is fun. Yeah. I'm not gonna pick a story because I promise you, my other bands are going to be like, how come you didn't take my story? But they're all fun. <laughs> okay,
0: that's good. I know you know the guys that do Emo Night. Yeah. Or created it. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk just a little bit about that resurgence over the past? Because it, it was two years mm-hmm. a couple days ago.
1: Yeah, I was there. I've been to every single Emo Night except for two. Yeah. Um, I think it speaks again to the idea of building a community. And I'm always so fascinated with, like, you know, when I was a kid, it was grunge. Yeah. So that wouldn't have happened without the other bands, like, without this community in Seattle of all of these bands collaborating and working together and, like, bringing the same people together through fashion and through, you know, music and lyrics and with a lifestyle. And when you get that all lining up, like something magic happens, right? Like you really get people who are excited about something. And um, when I was younger and pop punk was like really big at the time, it was because these communities were so positive and you had these pockets, whether it was like the Long Island scene or the SoCal scene or wherever it was Yeah. Um, of these bands like collaborating. And I learned a lot of it from Kevin Lyman who, you know, the whole reason Warp Tour can, you know, be the longest running tour ever in america years. yes because um he's built he's built that community um of these kids who like really believe in it and who look forward to it and who are excited about it right um and who work together and the bands work together and they collaborate and uh they tour together and emo nights taps into that right so mm-hmm. they they started just doing something for fun and started to build that community and it became you know something you do with your friends and i think it's you know, I, I think it's great. Um, I think there's a lot of, a lot to be learned too from it because right. you know, if you're doing, I think the hardest part for me is like, sometimes I find bands and they're doing something really different and unique. I'm really drawn to that. I love when bands do something different and unique. It's very exciting. It's very new. Uh, those bands have so much time, so much trouble ever getting recognition, ever getting a fan base because they don't have a community. So, yeah. um the first thing I always do, I'm always thinking about like, what can I do to bring my bands further together and tie it into this thing? And if you're doing something that's way off on the left or way off on the right, then sometimes what you gotta do is like, you gotta build that community from scratch, but you're not gonna yeah. do it without, without building it. Yeah. It won't happen.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, why do you love music? Ooh. I asked this to all my guests. Yeah, um,
1: (laughs) I I like the idea that that music can tell you a story in three minutes or in 30 minutes or in 40 minutes. And, um, you know, I think for me, my favorite music, even if it's a a pop song, you know, I never even started listening to pop music till five years ago. Yeah. And to recognize, I get in fights all the time because, you know, so many So many people are just like, oh, if I ever want to just do pop, it's so easy. You know, I could just go sell out and do pop. And I think that's a really, honestly, I think it's a really ignorant statement. Because writing, writing something that in three minutes can affect a billion people, like a big pop song will reach over a billion people. That's the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like, what is the biggest song this year? Like Adele that song you listen to that song and it brings you back to like a time and a place and like everyone's been there and everyone's yeah. gone through that and that song like connects people and I really like that
0: what keeps you going working in the industry
1: um, I guess because it doesn't feel like work yeah yeah I like waking up and you know all my employees are really good friends of mine all my mm-hmm. clients are really good friends of mine everyone I work with is more or less a good friend of mine Um kind of just like I mean it's a lot of work yeah. but it's like a lot of work with like your friends yeah. it's like hanging out working on school projects sometimes
0: um is there anything on the business side that bands uh tend to overlook or newer bands tend to overlook when they're first starting out or you know not taking not taking like into consideration
1: Oh, that's an interesting question, Uh, because I think it can be interpreted a lot of ways. I, I think what is most important is that a band, first and foremost, recognizes that everything that happens comes from them, and you can have a whole team of people and the best team of people in the world, but ultimately um, your music and, like, what you're doing and how that connects and resonates with people is the core of everything that happens. And so, especially if you're starting out, or even through your whole career, um, to self-reflect and say, you know, how come I can't attract a manager? How come I'm not attracting an agent? Yeah. Um, Maybe it means, you know, trying different styles of music, finding something that suits you a little more. Maybe it means finding different people to be in a band with. Uh, Whatever it is, but um, it's really hard. That's really hard to like look in on yourself and as a manager you know i have to do that all the time it's like if i have a song that i know is a really 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 great song and when you you know test it out it performs very well and then you have to sit there and say okay like like if this song isn't doing well then it's me right because like i know the song is getting bigger and bigger and bigger on its own but like it's on me to figure out how to make it as big as possible until people stop caring so um i think wherever you are in the industry i think really recognizing like on yourself like what what is my role in this and how do i do the best job and sometimes that that's a tough realization
0: do you have um do you have any other encouraging words to people within the industry
1: um i have discouraging words
0: okay <laughs> discouraged yeah
1: um The failure rate in music is about 97%. Wow. Yeah. So, if you want to do music as a hobby, great, treat it as a hobby. Yeah. Um, If you want to do music as a career, that means every person you meet, you need to be asking yourself, how am I working harder and working better than this person? Um, It's extremely challenging. The, The money to go around and feed all these mouths is the smallest of almost any industry. It's yeah. it's tougher than the restaurant business, and I've been in the restaurant business, and it's very tough. Yeah. Um, so I think going in with those expectations, saying, if I wanna win, I have a 3% chance of winning, that means I have to be at my absolute best, I have to be working super hard, yeah. I have to be coming up with a lot of original crazy ideas, and um a lot of music is a battle of attrition. You know, even, even the fastest growing bands I've ever seen who like took off like a rocket, yeah. still took three years before they really made any money. Yeah. You know, so you gotta put in your time for it. Um, if you're down for all that, it's a very rewarding, it's a very, very, very interesting, creative, amazing place to work. Uh, but you have to be prepared, like, still as fun as this all sounds and all right. this, it's a job and it's a really hard job.
0: Anything else you want to add? Uh, that was, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh good, I'm glad.
1: Um, I I think it's, you know, it, if your end goal in, in in life is to be rich and famous, um, don't go into music. Yeah. On any side, whether you're an artist, a performer, you mm-hmm. know, or on the industry side. Um, the people I've seen who are successful don't go into music because of that, like because they want money or fame. Like they go. People who are successful go into music because they really love it and they enjoy spending their entire existence working on it because yeah. it brings them pleasure. And the side effect is the money and the fame and whatever else goes along with it, um, the recognition. Um, but, man, you really have to love it.
0: Um, do you have anything that's happening next for you
1: or? Um, mm. yeah, every year I try and find a new challenge. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be something outside of management. Okay. Um, but management is really just, you know, building great teams of people who really collaborate well and unifying their vision and pushing them all in the same direction. So if you can do it in music, you can do it in a lot of different things and, um, It will be within the music industry, but it may not be with a band, right? There's a lot of different things we could be doing. So I'm figuring it out right now, but that's exciting to me.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview today.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you.
0: Thanks again to Michael for being on the show today. You can visit his website to see all the artists he represents at kmgmt.com. Thanks again to the Bang Ups for the Keep Walking theme music. Sponsorship is available for the I Love Music podcast. Please email me at Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, friends. Until next time.